What up? It's Wednesday. Welcome into Lockdown Sox. Today, I will be answering your questions about the MLB lockout and how it affects your Chicago White Sox. You are Locked On White Sox, your daily Chicago White Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Socks. Thank you for making Locked On White Socks your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all platforms. We're free and available on platforms like Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. You can find us there at Locked On Socks or by searching Locked On White Socks. I'm Sean Anderson. I'm the host of Locked On White Socks. I've been the host for over three months now, and I'm also a content creator over at CHGO, a White Sox content creator for CHGO. And that means, basically, I'm giving you eight podcasts a week on the Chicago White Sox. And here on Locked On Sox, it is your team every single day. And we try to give you updates on the team and what's going on with your Chicago White Sox. And what's been happening in the MLB as of late is the MLB lockout has been agreed to dissolve. I don't know what the right word is. They've come to an agreement for the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement, between the players and the owners, meaning baseball's back. Yay! You have a lot of questions, and that's why you called in at 312-566-8727 or wrote in at LockdownSocks at gmail.com. Usually we do this on Monday, but today it is Wednesday, March 16th, and we will get to all of your questions. We're exciting to talk to you. It's been a while since we answered some questions. So again, if you have any questions, 312-566-8727, or you could write in at LockdownSocks at gmail.com. Let's go out to the first caller. It's going to be our guy, John, in Brookfield. Hey, Sean. This is John from lovely Brookfield, Illinois. Uh, I was wondering, you know, happy days. They, they signed the CBA. We're going to have baseball soon. Uh, but I was wondering what your thoughts are on this uh, banning the shift stuff. Like, what are they going to do, put boxes in the infield where the players have to stand? Like, can they charge a, ground, a, a bunt, you know? Like, I don't understand. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts and some of the other listeners' thoughts on uh, what banning the shift will mean. Thanks, man. Have a good one. Thank you, John, for calling in and for sending in the question about the shift. I think as a lefty, you know, they used to shift me when we were playing 16-inch softball in gym. I was a pull hitter. And then, you know, when they start shifting, go the other way. Uh, so I was always a fan of the shift because I knew how to take advantage of it and slow pitch softball. However, with baseball, especially with the way that velocity has gone up, breaking ball stuff has been you know, almost impossible to hit, baseball has gotten worse because of the shift. I don't personally love it because I like the defensive strategy of it, but stats show that the game would be better if it's banned. How it would work is, you know, you have to have two guys on each side of second base. And you, you mentioned the boxes. They kind of do. <laughs> the bases are somewhat box-like. So, you know, Tim Anderson has to stand on the left side uh, of second base. Yohan Moncada has to stand on the left side of second base. Uh, Josh Harrison or Larry Garcia has to stand on the right side of second base. Jose Abreu has to start on the se- uh, right side of the second base, you know, before the ball is made contact with. So, you know, your, your thoughts on charging the ball, guys can still do that. Whenever the ball is put into play, guys can go wherever. But at the start of the pitch or before the pitch is made, the guys have to be on opposite sides of the base. So you can't see four guys on the right side, you know, when 
I guess Yasmani Grandal is up, right? You won't have the ability to have Yuan Moncada playing like a weird hybrid shortstop uh, where he's, you know, even in between shortstop and the actual second base bag. Tim Anderson's behind the second base bag for anything that goes up the middle. And then Liuri's playing basically short right. And then, you know, Brayu's covering the line. Like you won't see that shift anymore. You will see more traditional two guys on each side playing their positions. And how I think this will affect um, the game, I do love fan graphs. I love all their, uh, their their data. And this is from an article by Justin Choi. And he talks about the impact of the shift from 2015 to 2021. And you look through the sample size, and obviously the sample size in 2020 is very small, but most of these are around 4,000 samples uh, for each and every year. And you go from 2015, the weighted on base average for when you know against the shift it was 366 in 2016 it was 377 in 2017 it was 378 in 2018 it was 350 in 2019 it was 337 in 2020 it was 292 and in 2021 it's 299 so the past two years you have seen when people are shifted against the weighted on bait base average is below 300 which is just horrible and weighted on base just is Sorry, I had to take a sip of water, but weighted on base is important because unlike on base percentage and OPS where on base and slugging are added together, weighted on base assigns a value to each method of reaching base in terms of its impact on scoring runs. So if you had a home run, you know, your, your weighted on base is going to go up. And that's why Yasmani Grandal was top 10 in weighted on base last year. And he had an on base above 400. Only about 10 players had a weighted on base uh, average above 400 last year. So if you see the shift go away, you're going to see an increase of offense. Right now, the past two years, it's been below 300, the weighted on base average. So you know, guys aren't really being effective when they're hitting. They're not hitting home runs. They're not getting even those triples and those doubles. If they're getting hits, it's because they're bunting singles, and that's going to have a lower uh, weighted on base average. You know, getting a walk is good, but again, lower weighted on base average just because you're getting to only first base. And then, you know, outs are outs, and a lot of outs are being produced by this shift. So I'm a fan just because it's going to increase offense in the game. The, the game needs to be more entertaining. It needs to create more action and doubles, triples, you know, more singles that, you know, can lead to guys getting thrown out at second base or, you know, trying to extend. Like, I, I think that's good for the game. I hate seeing people who, I hate seeing defensive strategy being taken out of the game, uh, but I, I want the game to also move faster. So it's unfortunate that the shift is being taken out. I don't think it's that large of an issue. I think the pitch clock is more important, but let's see how it goes. You know, if they don't like it for two years, they can always put it back in. And I think that, you know, it is a give and take. I don't like how they're going so drastic with it, maybe. I don't think you need to completely abolish the shift right now. Um, but that's the idea that they have. And I don't think it's a bad thing to try. So... Right now, with the shift being banned, it's fine. And it also gives me more reason for the Sox to sign Kyle Schwarber. So, come on, Rick. Get on it. Are you ready to discover your purpose and leave an impact wherever you go? Mission Possible, written and read by New York Times bestselling author and athlete Tim Tebow, encourages you to find your inspiration, pursue your purpose, and create a life for yourself that counts. Ignite a new spark in your life through this new inspirational listen. Mission Possible by Tim Tebow is available wherever audiobooks are sold. 
Thanks for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen each and every day. Lockdown MLB Prospects host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Now, we got a call coming up in the next segment, but we got to go to the mail. We got to go to some classic good old email. LockdownSocks at gmail.com is where you can write into us. And that's where our guy and my guy, other Sean, has always written into us, LockdownSocks at gmail.com. Other Sean, obviously, of Middletown, Ohio fame, uh, Kyle Schwerber's birthplace. He first wrote in telling me that uh, Middletown, Ohio has a plaque, uh, that, or I think he said monument, dedicated to Kyle Schwerber. It's, it's a plaque. But if Kyle Schwerber does sign to uh, the Chicago White Sox at any point, uh, I am going to drive to Middletown, Ohio and go see that plaque and, and celebrate Rick Hahn's uh, great signing. I don't know if it's coming, but, you know, I, I should be prepared to spend over $200 driving to Middletown, Ohio with the way that gas prices are. But other Sean writes in and says, with Kelly added to the pen, that's Joe Kelly, and Josh Harrison added to the infield, both moves are improvements on what they had. The rumor is the Sox are still talking to Ryan Tapera for the depth in the pen and other teams about starters. It appears that the Sox are looking to make the bullpen better before they deal Kimbrell, no matter what Tony says. I would say the Sox have a plan with the pitching staff and second base is solid now, so what are they going to do with right and backup catcher? Keep up the great work on both shows. Thanks, other Sean. Thank you, Sean, for your support on both shows, and I really do appreciate it. I don't think that they're in talks with Tapera right now. You look at the 28-man roster, and I'm going off the assumption that they're going to go to 28 men. Uh, Bob Nightingale reported on March 11th that the rosters might be expanded by two or three players, which means, you know, we'd see a 28 or 29-man roster. Uh, Joe Kelly won't be on the opening day roster because he's still dealing with nerve issues per Rick Hahn. Um, I just don't see the space because right now you look at the White Sox bullpen and they've spent so much money there. It's it's honestly sickening, uh, if we're being honest. As of right now, the White Sox have spent... 39.1% of their payroll on infielders. So that's Jose Abreu, former MVP, uh, uh, Tim Anderson, who's got an extension, Yohan Moncada, who's got an extension, and then $10 million or $11 million between uh, Leary Garcia and Josh Harrison, right? That's where the 39.1% uh, comes from. Oh, and they have a record uh, deal with Yasmani Grandal that's included in the infield as well. So that's your infield, and right, that's a, a lot. That's a, I like seeing 40% of our payroll being spent on those players. That's a, it's a big chunk of players right there, Moncada, Abreu, Anderson, and Grandal, and then you know the two, the two second basemen that they have. Then you look around and you see what's the next biggest position the White Sox are spending on? It's bullpen. It's relievers, 27.4%. And they just added Joe Kelly, $7 million this year, 9 the next year. Liam Hendricks, four years, $64 million. You just added, or you still have, Craig Kimbrell uh, for $16 million. So right now, I think the next move, if anything, is trading Craig, Craig Kimbrell. And my concern is that is their next move. That is what's next on their docket. They're at 40, man, or 40 men on their 40-man roster. So there's no more adding unless you remove somebody. And it really feels like Kimbrell is the next domino to fall. And that could be right now, that could be tomorrow, that could be Friday, that could be April 15th, that could be June 30th, that could be July 31st. So at the moment, I'm pretty concerned that the White Sox will do anything. Uh, or, 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 you know, I think, I think they're going to wait to do anything because they don't have the space to do anything. And that's, I feel, monetarily and just truly roster constraint-wise. And you go around starting pitching 24.8% of the uh, 
of the payroll is being spent on starting pitching, and then 8.7% is being spent on outfielders. And that's all from Josh Nelson. Josh, I appreciate you putting that together. It was great work, something that I wanted to figure out, and you did it for me. So thank you, Josh. You're really <laughs> helping hand there. Uh, you go check out Sox Machine, uh, Josh Nelson from Sox Machine. He does a lot of great work along with Jim Margulis and Bennett Carroll. Uh, but I think that, you know, to your point, Sean, like, yes, backup catcher needs to be addressed, but I think they like Zach Collins still, or at least they still, you know, had a first round grade on him at some point. And it's really tough to get rid of guys like that. Sebi Zavala is out of options. So they either need to release him or find a trade partner or have him on the opening day roster. So I don't know if backup catcher is going to be addressed because mainly the position is extremely, extremely thin. They'll probably need to bring somebody on a minor league deal uh, if they do want to fill out that backup catcher spot. And like I said with uh, right field, like I just think that Kimbrell is the next move. I think that that's what you're looking for. Uh, if he's not dealt before spring training, I don't think you're going to get Castellanos. I don't think you're going to get Schwarber. I don't think you're going to get Conforto. I don't think you're going to get Chris Bryant. I don't even think you're going to get Eddie Rosario or Jorge Soler. Like, I'm concerned, to put it plainly, Sean. Uh, so I appreciate the, the the message there. I appreciate the mail. Uh, but you know, you said it appears that the Sox are looking to make the bullpen better before they deal Kimbrel. Uh, I think this is it. I think this is the bullpen right now, and you know, maybe they look to improve it once Kimbrel's off. But if anything, and any improvement needs to be made, uh, they need another uh, left-handed arm in there because right now it's crochet uh, and that's it. <laughs> I think it's literally just Crochet is the only left-handed pitcher on the the, the current uh, opening day roster. So unless they call up Bennett Souza um, from AAA, but I mean he's I don't even know if he's ready yet. Oh, and Aaron Bummer, duh. Uh, so Aaron Bummer and Crochet, but still that's not enough because you're you're right now in a spot where a Crochet needs to be a swingman. So and that's what Rickon said is they're trying to use him like Michael Kopech uh, or how they use Kopech in 2021. So it, it is confusing, Sean, uh, to, to to put it plainly. And next we go out to Indianapolis, and Mike from Indy is writing in, and he says, Hey, Sean, it's about late Tuesday afternoon, and unless something happens shortly after I send this, our Sox are still in need of an everyday right fielder. In the last email, I left off with a bold prediction that the White Sox will sign a player to a contract upwards of $100 million. Not many $100 million right fielders are left on the board, but money talks, and I bet Chris Bryant wouldn't mind playing right field on the south side for the right price. I've said before how I think Schwarber would be a perfect fit in right field, but I don't think he'd be worth a $100 million contract. Now, I'm not saying I wouldn't be happy with a guy like Schwarbs, Conforto, or Castellanos. They would be nice too. But I truly believe Han and Du Bois know the time is now to go all in on the top prize. Go White Sox, Mike from Indy. And Mike, you know, going back to what we just talked about with other Sean, I just don't see it. I don't see them spending $100 million on anybody this year. I don't see them bringing in a right field free agent. I would love if they filled out the DH right field position, but it really feels like Rick Hahn is high on Gavin Sheets. He said that there's nothing left for him to do in AAA. He seems very high on Andrew Vaughn, and it seems like those two will be getting shots in right field. So it looks like your outfielders will be Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, Adam Engel, and Drew Vaughn in Gavin Sheets. And, you know, Leary Garcia has the ability to play in the outfield, and Josh Harrison has the ability to play left field. So you will have options uh, of other outfielders. But in the grand scheme of things, I just don't see it happening. I don't see Bryant. I don't see Conforto. I don't see Schwarber. And I don't see Bryant. And I hope I'm wrong. But right now they have the fifth highest payroll in baseball. They sign anybody else, they're going to be the fourth highest payroll in baseball. And it feels more with Rick Hahn's tone 
that they are going to try to improve the team each and every day and that they will continue to try to improve the team each and every day, even in the regular season. And the way that he's just saying it, it feels like their deadline is July 31st. Their deadline isn't when the right fielder free agent market dries up. I don't think that they're going to start panicking if Michael Conforto signs. I don't think they're going to start panicking if Chris Bryant or my, uh, Kyle Schwarber signs. I think that the White Sox are going very slowly at this because I think that they're fine with the team that they currently have. And I think that mainly they'll readdress their team at the trade deadline. This could be a very pessimistic outlook. I could just be down right now about what I've been hearing. But I think if any move is made by the Chicago White Sox, it will be in the trade market and it will be for a starting pitcher. They seem to be connected to Sean Mania in some way. So if there is a name for you to look out for, I don't think it's a $100 million right fielder. I think you're looking at a, a starting pitcher trade. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Save time and money when you use Rock Auto. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain, store, or car dealership? I spent 92% more than I should have on a windshield wiper pump. I went to my local chain store. It took forever for them to type in the product and find the product that they had, and they only had one product, and it was worth $30. I went to Rock Auto. They had two options for me. Two options for me on the windshield wiper pump. And the highest one, the most expensive one, was $11. So I spent 92% more uh, uh, dollars than I should have on a windshield wiper pump. And that was because I didn't use Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every single customer. They have everything you need from new brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto parts need. I did, and I found that I could save 92% on my auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. They have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Let's now go out to our good friend here on Lockdown White Sox. It's our guy, Mark in the Park. Hey, Sean. Mark in Litchfield Park. Uh, seeing that Rodon was signed by the Giants, two years, $44 million. I don't know why the Sox can't make that deal, but well, here we are. Um, also enjoyed the show with uh, uh, the trivia. Got most of those right, and... You had to remind me of Mark Tian, who killed the Sox before he was with them, when he was with the Royals, and then continued to kill the Sox when he was with the Sox. Just an awful signing. But uh, also, I think I probably went to high school with your dad. We probably around the same age and uh, went to St. Lawrence. So there's that. Happy, happy. Take care. Thank you, Mark, in the park for calling in. My dad was a Viking probably in the early 90s. If you know a guy named John Anderson and he looks, sounds, and acts like me, uh, it's a pretty safe bet that that's my dad. Uh, he's in his mid-40s, so maybe you know. I don't know. Uh, I know. So we'll wait until your next call, Mark, I guess. And you bring up the trivia that we had with Nick Morowski. I absolutely 
grilled Nick on those questions. And I didn't mean them to be so hard, but I'm glad you got them fairly easily, Mark. We have this connection. It's because you listen, I think. And uh, Mark Tian was on the mind because I was asking Herb Lawrence that day, uh, a fellow co-host of the CHGO White Sox podcast, uh, about his Twitter handle. It's Ecknerwall23. Ecknerwall is Lawrence, his last name, backwards. And 2-3 being for Robin Ventura, his favorite White Sox player. But then he also jokingly mentioned, and for Mark Tian. Uh, Mark Tian, White Sox killer when he was on the Rays, uh, didn't work out on the south side for Mark Tian, but I wish it did. Uh, I always liked him. Uh, very, uh, I liked his stroke. You know, he had, a, he had a good swing. He's one of those guys. He just looks like a ball player. You know, uh, so shout out to Mark Tian and uh, shout out to Nick Morawski uh, for getting grilled on those questions. But to talk about Rodon, I just and it's really not even about Rodon. I think I I, I obviously love Carlos Rodon. I, I I wish the White Sox would sign him, but I understand them not wanting to take a risk on a player that they know so much about his medicals. So, you know, if they're worried about injury, that's fine. But the more and more the market develops, I think they're worried about money. I, or I think they're at least scared to spend it or something. Like they're not setting a market, which they never do, which is fine. But you see Atlanta. Atlanta goes out and sets a first base market. They go and trade for Matt Olson when Freddie Freeman's still available. And then they go and lock down Matt Olson for $168 million for eight years, right? Carlos Rodon, the Giants just won 107 games. They go out and even with the injury hist history, even though they don't know that much, they go out and give him $44 million. And they give him a whale of a deal. If he doesn't hit 110 innings pitched in 2022, his option is immediately picked up for 2020 uh, for 2023 for 22 million dollars. If he hits over 110 innings pitched, he can then decline the option and go get more money, proving, you know, that he's healthy. Like, hey, I can pitch 110 innings, let me go get 4 years uh, on the open market. So Carlos Rodon might be a free agent next year. Um, but and even the Yankees too. The Yankees go out and they're aggressive. They pay 50 million dollars to take the uh, the Josh Donaldson contract off the Twins payroll. What, what's the Sox aggressive move? You go and spend more money on your bullpen than at the point that they signed Joe Kelly. And I like Joe Kelly. It's not anything about the player. It's just about the bullpen itself. You're spending second most amount of money on that position. You're spending 27% of your payroll on the bullpen. I just don't know where the aggression is. The White Sox aren't aggressive in these $100 million deals like Mike from Indy wants them to spend. They're not aggressive in these big price tags, like $22 million a year. You look at the, the Liam Hendricks and, and the Osmani Grandal signings, uh, 72 for four and 64 for four, uh, the highest one being $18 million a year, which is high for a catcher. But again, catcher is one of the least valuable positions. You're spending $72 million on a position that, you know, I mean, now we're talking about Grandal being in his third year of that four-year contract, being a guy that needs a backup catcher so badly because people are afraid of his injury history. You know, is Grandall going to be a DH at some point? Is Grandall going to be the DH next year because his knees might give out on him? It's a big concern. So I just, I'm concerned at the White Sox lack of aggressiveness because this team isn't complete. Uh, I know there's a couple quotes out there and I don't have the full quote uh, to truly uh, give Rick Hahn the benefit of the doubt. Um, but he said that right now, and this was before the Harrison move, this was before the Kelly move, this was before the Velasquez move, he said, right now, I think our team is set. And I think that this team, as constructed right now, is a championship contending team. He then did say, we're going to work every single day to try to improve it. Have they? <laughs> like, I, and I'm not trying to be too harsh here. And, and you have made three signings, but the total amount of war that these players 
have are bringing in is like 2.4 from last year and that's Velasquez, uh Harrison and Kelly. 2.4 million dollars for 3 7 and 5.5. So for 15.5 million dollars you bought 2.4 war. I don't really understand it. And if you take all of their signings, the Gra- the Graveman deal uh, included, that's 25 million dollars. Marcus Simeon just signed for an annual average uh, value of $25 million. So I don't know. I don't like that the fact that the White Sox aren't being aggressive. Uh, that That's at least what I can come to the conclusion of, is that I want the White Sox to be more aggressive. And at the point right now, they're not being aggressive enough for my liking. Thank you, Mark, for the call. And thank you all for calling in and getting your questions into 312-566-8727 or into LockdownSocks at gmail.com. Thank you for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen each and every day. Our next episode will be on Friday. It will be TGIF on March 18th. So I will see you then here on Lockdown White Sox. Now make your second listen, Lockdown MLB. Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues past and present. It's free wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sean Anderson. Thank you for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen. And I will talk to you on Friday.